Bears Nation. Bears Nation. Bears Nation. Montgomery into the end zone and a Bears touchdown. It's Khalil Herbert. He gets the handoff. He's got a first down run. Clear pack. Touchdown Bears. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka. Ah! Oh my God. I know him. And Jake Hassan. He thinks he's a Christmas elf. I'm sorry, what? Bulls end zone. And this time it is caught by guess who? Jimmy Graham. Bulls back in the end zone. And it's Demir Bird. And he needs to catch and converts. The biggest thing for, for me and for our team in there is that the guys never stop fighting. As a coach, you just you love that about them. And, you know, that just speaks to who they are. Strap it in. It's the Bears Nation podcast. He must be a South Pole elf. Let's get it. It is Monday, December 27th, Bears Nation podcast. The return, and for the first time in what feels like forever, what feels like a very, very long time, it is a Bears Nation podcast that is coming off a Bears win, and it feels fine. You're wearing a Bears shirt? I mean, wow, like this is new. You must be feeling good, Jake. I mean, it's Come on. fine. It's like, it, I'm not going to pound the table over this. I'm not going to like, it's nice to not be super depressed, I guess, after a Bears game for once. Like, it's just, it's fine. I like, yeah. I uh, like when, like, again, I mean, we've talked about this before, like wins and losses at this point, like they don't matter. Like it, the win column, the loss column don't, I don't care about that anymore. It's not right. about that to me anymore. Right. So, but there was. A good, you know, no Justin Fields, but there was a lot of good stuff that happened in the Bears game that we will talk about. But Kevin, how you feeling coming off a Nick Foles-led win in Seattle in a snowy Seattle when it was no snow in Chicago and snow in Seattle is very weird to watch. But Bears win. How you feeling? Look, man, it was fun, right? I mean, at this point, you just want to see well, something. Wasn't fun. fun. That game it was, was ugly to watch. That it was, was an ugly game to watch. That yeah. was that was not a, a enjoyable viewing. Well, I'll be honest. I went to we went to my aunt's house because it was the day after Christmas, so we were watching it there. So we were kind of you know eating and doing some other things during it. So I wasn't fully locked into the game as I usually am. So that's why I say I probably thought it was more fun is because really I started to lock in at the end when they make the comeback and and all that. And I was like, okay, this is starting to get interesting. Nick Foles, you know, the the play to Jameer Burt's arguably one of the best catches of the year. Mm-hmm. The Jimmy Graham touchdown, like those things were exciting. So I wasn't locked into the whole game. Yeah, the rest of the game was pretty marginal at best because the offense was typical and Seattle was kicking your butt for most of it. But I mean, a little bit of Nick Foles magic in the fourth quarter to, to give us a good Sunday. I mean, what else are you looking for? I mean, obviously we talk about Thomas Graham and Daz Newsom, our guy who made a play yeah. good for him, friend of the program, uh, got some opportunities. Also had a nice kick return as well. Uh, so good for him. And in replacement of Jakeem Grant as he's out on IR, but I mean, what like seriously at that point like what else are you asking for in this season like that game is really like i mean other than a blowout like it's fun enough good enough for me yeah i mean here's the thing we we went into this game pre-mad already because matt Nagy. i'm gonna sneeze again bless you thanks man anyway matt (laughs) Nagy comes in here he says he's gonna start nick Foles. no justin fields he's hurt i'm here he goes. It's allergy season. I don't know, man. Anyway, what I was saying, we're already pre-mad about this game because of the Nick Foles factor. Right. Matt Nagy said, you know, Jermaine Effetti is a captain and he starts over Larry Borum. 
I mean, it was so, I don't know what the hell's going on right now. Anyway, it was just so like Matt Nagy clearly trying to play the veterans for whatever reason. It, like well, this was the first Jimmy Graham game and forever. And I mean, to say the Jimmy Graham game, it's not like he lit it up, but obviously like catches the touchdown that puts you ahead and, you know, wins you the game. But it was just like, we already were having stuff to be mad about before this game even started, like full starting Jermaine Fetty being named a captain. I get it. It was back in Seattle where his career started, but like, what the hell are we doing here? It was so weird. Mm -hmm. And you know, Matt Nagy gets to go up there and do his whole, you know, song and dance about the veterans and how they played great and blah, 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 blah. Nick Foles plays a clean game, a clean, you know, dink and dunk the Seahawks to death until the end Credit to Nick Foles. That last drive, the game-winning drive, like that was that was very impressive. Like I mean, you mentioned the bird sure. catch, like that mm-hmm. was incredible by Demir Bird. Jimmy Graham's catch was very tough. He brings that down. I mean, it was it was fine. Like again, it was fine. Like I, I like I, I am not gonna be super excited about it, but like that's what we have to do. We have to go and pick the stuff that, you know, Thomas Graham played well once again, second week in a row. All right. Didn't start for some reason. That's another thing. Matt Nagy starting Artie Burns over Thomas Graham after Thomas Graham has a breakout game the week before. It was, it's just weird shit like that. Um, and Thomas Graham still plays well. I mean, still pushing to have more of a role. Looks like he's going to be around next year. Great. Awesome. Daz Newsom yes. got some run. Great punt return. Um, Daz Newsom was involved. Cleo Herbert. He showed you what he can continue to do still. It's just like it overall, like at the end of the day, we're still talking about Nick Foles and Jimmy Graham and Demir Bird, guys who are all not going to be here next year. So that's a little disappointing for me from that standpoint. Yeah, but I mean, like, you saw what you need to see out of the guys who are going to be here next year, I thought. I mean, you saw Thomas Graham. Yeah, he got burnt by DK Metcalf. That's a tough task when you're a six-round rookie going up against one of the most physically happen. dominant <laughs> players in sports. That will happen. Uh, you know, it's it's a learning curve. He's, But, again, like, it, it wasn't consistent throughout the game. I mean, after that, I, I can't remember another play that he got burnt. He had, I think, a few passes defended. And now, Jake, Thomas Graham Jr. is second on the Bears in passes defended after playing just two games behind only Jalen that, That's Johnson. preposterous, and that says a lot about the state of the secondary. That's yeah, like, and, like, <laughs> yes, that's true. But also, like – this secondary, uh, they're fifth in the league in, in passing yards allowed. How in the world is that possible? I mean, this secondary is playing surprisingly well. I mean, they are playing really well as a unit. And, like, I don't know if it's just because I think something that could be true as you talk about veterans and, and, and the rookies and those guys and, you know, Timothy Wire and Chad is talking about, well, you know, the, the revenge game for Jimmy Graham and uh, Jermaine Fetty, they had things to play for. I think – a lot of the reasons that you're seeing the secondary have success in recent weeks against good caliber offenses. Like we're not talking about the Jaguars or the Texans or the lions anymore. Like this is, you had the Minnesota Vikings who are coming off one of the best five game streaks offensively uh, in the tenure of Mike Zimmer. Then you have Russell Wilson and the talented offense that the Seahawks pose every week. Although they haven't been the same unit, you have talented players on that team and you're shutting them down. Why does that happen? I think part of the reason is, because you have new guys, younger guys, these guys are just willing to fight, man. I mean, they're, they, they have nothing. They're just going out there and playing ball. If you think about some of the veterans like Tayshawn Gibson, some of the guys who have been here for a little bit longer who may fall into that category of checked out, which we had talked about weeks ago when the Allen Robinson report came out, and we know for a fact that there are guys in that locker room that are checked out. Well, some of these guys like Tease Tabor, Thomas Graham Jr., like these guys – 
aren't Eddie Jackson even. These guys aren't checked out. They're here to play ball. It's like going out and playing with your friends, flag football. It's just a game. Like, I think that's what you're seeing from the secondary, why they're having success and, you know, why some of those guys that are slotting in there and maybe having the, the COVID issues is more of a blessing than a curse at times. I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, sure. Cause I mean, without this, we don't get Thomas Graham at all. Probably this year. Um, speaking of also still like, I, I think Timothy wires comment was sarcastic. I'm assuming like, I'm assuming that said tongue in cheek, like, Oh yeah. The, these former Seahawks, their development matters. Also like speaking of like people in the comments and stuff, I don't know. I mean, Nick Foles' family or their burners found me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, so, so immediately, people in my replies being replying to my, because I, when it was announced that Nick Foles was going to start, whatever, Thursday or Friday, whenever that was last week. And mm-hmm. I quote tweeted, I said, God help us all, because, you know. And so then, so immediately, as so, it happened that day, even like people cut in my replies, like, Going to going to war for Nick Foles, and then of course after the game, I got like three replies. Like these guys were ready to come in my mention. Me of all people, not like yeah. not like Shane or somebody or like somebody who or Jared Payton or anybody like people who've been on this program. Like me, I like for some reason they found my my tweet about Nick Foles. And like oh yeah, you know Saint Nick, he did it for us. Like oh don't you're eating your words now. Like really, no, I'm, I'm still right. You realize that I'm still right. It's just. He won one game. Overall, I am correct, you doofuses. Like, well, you also last year when we had the epic weekly battle of who, which side are we taking, Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles? You were Nick Foles all. I was a Nick Foles guy. You're the Nick Foles guy. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve this slander. That's ridiculous. It was so immediate. It was so immediate. That that's that's really strange because yeah, I could understand if you've have had a track record throughout the tenure of Nick Foles on the Bears where you've said this guy sucks, I don't like him, all this, all that. Then yeah, like maybe that's warranted, but you stood up for the guy for six months when you had to listen to me talk about Mitch Trubisky. I mean, that's a it's a hard thing to do, Dark man. Dark times. Dark times, but greener pastures now. I mean, like, and, and well, honestly, now that you think, now you talk Nick Foles, there's, so there's two things to address. Number one, people are going to come and say, well, you know, why would you ever pay Andy Dalton this amount of money when you had Nick Foles there? And like, yeah, that's like, I, I that's true to an extent, but also you have to think about it in, in case of where the Bears were entering free agency that year, you were looking at just Nick Foles and nobody else. I mean, at the time, you didn't have Justin Fields. You knew you had to make a move to get a different quarterback. And, the, you know, everyone called for the different guys. And Andy Dalton is what you got. No one was happy with that. But you would never have been content to go into free agency and end free agency before the draft with just Nick Foles. Because at the time, you were unsure if they'd be in a position to get a QB because of how far Justin Fields fell. So I can't make that argument. It does look terrible in hindsight. When you see Nick Foles winning games and still playing well enough to win a game in Seattle in those conditions at his age after not playing a game all year, like that's an impressive thing to do. But now going forward, are you comfortable with him as the backup QB next year? Because he's still under contract. You don't need to cut him. You're not going to make a lot of money by cutting him. He's a great mentor. He can win you games. He can arguably be one of the top backups in the NFL. I am perfectly content with Nick Foles as the backup going forward. Are you? Yeah, I mean, because it's like, like, I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, people are going to advocate for him to be cut because of, you know, cost-saving reasons, but... That's guaranteed un- money, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, unless you really save that much by cutting him. Obviously, I don't have it in front of me, but, like, if they might do that and then bring him back on a smaller deal, I don't know. But 
I would assume that since they're paying him the money, he's going to be back next year as the backup for sure. But yeah, I mean, we've talked about it multiple times on the show that Nick Foles is really the only guy multiple times, him and Andy Dalton, who have been there like talking through things with Justin Fields on the sideline. So if that's going to continue, yeah, I'm more than, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Okay. Nick Foles can come and go and beat Seattle in Seattle. And he's probably going to beat New York. Hopefully he beats New York this upcoming week. Like, yeah, I mean, that's fine with me. You're muted, friendo. I've been muted. You, uh, you, I pulled you, up the uh, contract here. You pulled the Jake Hassan. I pulled the Jake Hassan. I, you know, I was due for one screw up with the <laughs> mute button. So here we're looking at it here. Uh, those who are listening on the podcast, you can join us every Wednesday and Monday at twitch.tv slash Chicago for real order. YouTube, Bears Nation Podcast on YouTube and Twitter. We're live at all those locations. And right now we're looking at the contract for Nick Foles. So he has a base salary of $4 million next year. Next year he's going to have a base salary of $4 million. Next year he's got $2,666,000 in signing bonus. He's got a $400 roster, four, $4 million roster bonus next year. Now everyone's going to say, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, what you can do a potential out here in 2022, $7 million. Six hundred sixty-six thousand in dead cap if you cut him. Seven million. So, like at that point, I mean, he's got a cap hit of ten million dollars going into twenty twenty-two. Like for what you're getting out of him, I mean, the thing you have to consider, honestly, that you may not want to consider, which I don't want to think about either, is Justin Fields is a prone to injury player. Now he's going to learn, and he's going to get better at learning how to not take those hits, learning how to stay clean and you know mm-hmm. slide. And, and he's been good at that because he's a baseball player and he knows how to slide. Yeah. But there are significant chances. Nick Foles could play two games next year, maybe three if Justin Fields, you know, it's like Lamar Jackson right now in, in Baltimore. Like as good as he is, he's been injured every year for a few games because he's just that athletic. He's more prone to injury than a pocket passer. He is going to be there. He's going to be needed. And with a $10 million cap hit and only $7 million in dead, $7 million in dead cap, if you cut him, there's no reason. That, what are you gaining for cutting him? I yeah, mean, that's right. I, I think, and plus it's like, you're not going to be, you your cap situation is not good. Like it's, you are in a bad place. No, it's no. Did you see where they're at? But, but well, that's what I mean. Like this year you were bad. That's why you could only get Andy. Oh, this Dalton year. When you're like this year, that's yes. why you saw, you know, and that's why Charles Leno got cut. That's why Bobby Massey got cut. That's why we lost. That's why Kyle Fuller was released. Like you're not going to have to make those decisions again, because Akeem Hicks is leaving. You could, every time that man speaks, he's saying how he wants to give back yeah. to Chicago and show Chicago. Like he's gone. It's going to suck. It's going to hurt. But Akeem Hicks is out the door. So that's some money that's coming off the books. You're going to have a couple other contracts coming up. Obviously, you won't be paying Andy Dalton $10 million. So you're going to have a little more wiggle room. So, yeah, I mean, probably you keep Foles and go. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it. I mean, what did they pay Chase Daniel when he was here? Oh, God. He got he got a significant – I don't know how much Didn't exactly he, wasn't he, he got. was he making a decent was, amount of money? He was making a decent amount because there's always the, the websites that are like, you know, Chase Daniel beat the system because he's – started like 11 games in his career and <laughs> he's getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars total. Yeah, no. So I, I'm to answer your question. Yeah. I'm fine with Nick Foles sticking around as the backup. Yeah. And because uh, I think the most important thing is, as I mentioned, you know, Justin Fields could be prone to injury and he might get some opportunities. The number one thing is he's a leader and he's a really good mentor. And I think when you look uh, ultimately, when you look at, the summary of Nick Foles' career at the end of this, at, at, after he's done, he's probably going to retire after being a Chicago Bear. I can't imagine he'll yeah. venture to another team with that. I mean, it's possible. But um, at the end of his career, obviously at the top of the mound will be 
you know, the Super Bowl run and what he did in Philadelphia and the Super Bowl MVP. And I think just below that, depending on how well Justin Fields does, could be, you know, who, who he was as a mentor, right? I mean, he mentored Carson Wentz to an MVP season. If he mentors Justin Fields to an exceptional season next year, yeah, like that could be there. Then for him, like when you talk about what that could do for his career beyond football, coaching opportunities, man, I think yeah. that guy would be a great coach. Like it's there. And I think as a mentor, he's really, really good. We've already seen, we've already talked about on the show how every time you look at, you know, the, the camera shows the sidelines with Justin Fields on the bench. He's sitting there on the tablet with Nick Foles, not with Andy Dalton, the guy who's listed as QB2, with Nick Foles, not with Matt Nagy, not with John, well, John D. Flippo sometimes in there in a lot of the yeah. shots. But it's Nick Foles, man. He's a mentor. He Having him throughout camp to get Justin Fields to learn, although they're different types of players, is really, really important. I think that's where his role will be. And you never want to pay someone $10 million to be a mentor, but <laughs> – the money's there on the books and you got to make the most of what you have there. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fine. Anyway, um, going back to more kind of big picture stuff, as far as this game, um, something that we're all watching Robert Quinn's at 17 sacks. Yeah. So it's going to happen. He got, he got notches another one against Seattle. He's going to get there against the Giants. Knock on wood, Jake. Knock on wood. He's good. Like he's going to get because... it. Like they're not, if, if we this was the final week thing. of the season, I think we – I brought this up last week. I think there would be a legitimate concern that Sean Desai's oh, yeah. phone would be ringing his office. Hey, no, no, you no. can't play Quinn this week. No, like, no, no, no. He's going to get it this week against the Giants. Like It's going to – it's going to happen. I, I would – I'm not going like, to say it is you're because playing, I don't want to You're playing it, Mike so. Glennon. Or Jay, is it Mike Glennon for sure? It's probably going to be Mike From Glennon. looked so bad. Looked, it's got to be Glennon. He looked – See, and, and, atrocious. Yeah, you know, maybe Roger Goodell gets on the phone, though, and says, hey, we got a little bit of a Georgia football storyline brewing next game with Jake Fromm and Justin Fields. You know, it could be good for ratings. More people will tune into that than they would tune it, into I don't know if Justin's going to play. Yeah, Justin he might Fields not. Play? You might get a healthy dose of Mike Lennon versus Nick Foles. Everyone <laughs> sit on the couch, and you better have alcohol with you because this one's going to get ugly. God, that's um, going to be so gross. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think there's a chance he could play. Justin Matt Nagy went came out today and said they are not planning on shutting him down for any reason. So that's encouraging because you know the reason. Like it, it was nothing against Nick Foles this week. Honestly, it wasn't. It was just no. the fact that you want to see the rookie play. You want to see Justin Fields play. You want to see his development. It was nothing against right. Nick Foles. I mean, everybody was kind. I think everybody who has followed the career of Nick Foles was sort of aware in the back of their mind that this could be one of those magical Nick Foles games that happen. It's like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, for zero reason, the dude just has one of those games where he – and I'm not going to say Nick Foles was phenomenal, but he won you the game with some phenomenal touchdown pass in the final minutes. Like, that's yeah. Nick Foles' magic that is just, like, it's unexplainable. But you want to see Justin Fields. Like, I'm not going to clamor to have Nick Foles be the quarterback next week. As, as much as I like a little bit of Nick Foles' magic, you want to see your, your rookie uh, improve against a bad team where he should likely do well at home so yeah yeah um going through like more box score stuff mm -hmm. and you know we talked about a couple of the guys who are hope we're hoping to stick around for a few david montgomery i mean had nothing on the ground but then just starts catching everything <laughs> yeah i mean over 100 yards from scrimmage uh once again 61 receiving yards on seven catches i mean that's wow. got to be easily one of his highest outputs possibly like he he was your leading receiver. I mean, both in yards and catches. I mean, which probably isn't a great indicator of what your game plan was. But, I mean, Dave Montgomery is just – I mean, he's a star. He's hes a bona fide star. Like, you have a legitimate blue chip star on your team. 
Yeah, you do. And, and and you just saw the way he was running on Sunday. I mean, he's done this every week, but this guy was bulldozing people. He's running hard. He's just, he is a phenomenal player as far as the effort that he gives every single week. And really it's like, those things are important. But you talk about, you know, it's a game of inches, right? Is, is what everybody says about, you know, the game of football. Dave Montgomery is giving you the extra inch every single time he attempts a run. Every single time. It's like you expect him. It's a three-yard run. Stuff into the defense. Like, okay, this is probably going to go for two or three. He turns it into four or five every single time. It seems insignificant, especially considering this offense. But those things add up. And he is a very tough runner. And I thought about the fact that Khalil Herbert scored a 20-yard rushing touchdown, which was great. And I started to think going forward with, you know, how interchangeable running backs can be. This could be a top five running back to in the NFL, can it not? I mean, I, I certainly think if they give Khalil Herbert um, significant number of opportunities, they could be a top five running back. Well, I mean, in the we NFL saw this when we saw this when David Montgomery was out though, too. Like Khalil Herbert well, that's played really, really well. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. I mean, you got two. Um, yeah, no, I, I think so. Obviously, a lot of that depends on the development of Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum going forward, right. too, as well as you know, like you, you know, <laughs> Sam Mustafer. But <laughs> oh god. <laughs> at the uh, risk of getting chat. the chat riled up. No. But, yeah, I mean, it, obviously a lot of that depends on your two young offensive tackles and how they develop right. going forward. But, yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely is. I would say even with – I mean, Dave Montgomery's uh, – like, let's like let's think of it this way. Like, Dave Montgomery's probably going to be a first-round pick in most fantasy drafts next year, right? Yeah. Uh, no, he won't be a first-round pick. Depends on – he won't be a first-round pick. I mean, that's that would have to – that would be – Unless you're in a, even if you're in a 12 team league, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be like top five, but I could see, I could see someone taking him at like nine or 10. Yeah, I, I can see that. Now the thing, so I am Scott says, I love how patient, let's get back up there. I love how patient Herbert runs and finds an easy running. Like that's very true. He's a very patient runner, but so is, I, I wouldn't necessarily consider Dave Montgomery patient, but his vision is off the charts. I mean, Dave Montgomery has to have. Dave Montgomery also knows the, he can just run over anybody. Yeah. Like, he's he, like, I don't he, care if you're in my way, I'm going to run you over yeah. regardless. That's what I'm going to do. And I, Hey, I love them entirely. Like that's a Chicago bears mentality. Um, But you, so you think about the best running duos in the NFL and you think Cleveland, right? You think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, uh, you could, I guess, consider Indianapolis with, you know, Jonathan Taylor, and Naeem yeah. Hines in, in, in there, just, 90% Jonathan Taylor, 10% Naeem Hines. Um, now, one thing that has to be considered, though, is like running a running back duo, to me, it's not always glitz and glamour, though, because sometimes teams get a little bit carried away with it, and I get very frustrated by it when you know that the best rusher isn't getting the opportunities in the right moments. And I don't think the Bears have done this, but I've seen teams, and the Colts do this a lot, and, and yes, some of it has to be about rest, and some of it has to be about getting guys healthy, but – you don't want to get into a situation where you get really confident with Khalil Herbert. And let's make it known right now, Dave Montgomery's a better running back than Khalil Herbert at this very moment. Yes. I think everybody knows <laughs> at that. this juncture. And all of a sudden you get really excited about it. And here comes third and three. And a lot of third and threes are coming. And Khalil Herbert's on the field and Dave Montgomery isn't. And I've seen teams do this a lot. Like the Packers have done this a lot with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. And I guess there's sort of an argument that A.J. Dillon could be at the same level as Aaron Jones, but teams get very carried away with that two with that dual running back system that they start to resort to that too much and just not give the best guy the football and it hurts them. Like the Browns don't need to be running Dearness Johnson on third and three. You have Nick <laughs> Chubb. What are you doing? Right? Like it 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 and that's what fears me. But hopefully with the new coaching staff, you know, you don't have to do that. But it's always good to have a change. Well, of I, I think that you make a very that because I was going to bring this up next. A new coaching staff, I think you would trust to use that system effectively. I mean, like 
Matt Nagy, obviously, we would not trust to be able to use both Khalil Herbert and Dave Montgomery and put them both in a position to succeed at the best level and also help the team out as well. So hopefully a new coach, whoever that may be, you know, whoever that's going to be. I tweeted uh, Byron Leftwich on Sunday. I'm Yeah. I, I, I really think a like lot of I've people were on board with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Dabble and, and Buffalo, though, too. People love him. Regardless, you would assume that a – new head coach will figure out a way to use two very talented guys like that. Speaking of people who are showcasing talent over the last couple of weeks. Do you know who we're real quick? Do you know who we're forgetting? Who are we forgetting? I mean, I, it's like, we're talking two. we're talking dual running back system. We're talking dual. Yeah. Right? But I mean, like I'm Tariq not. Tariq Cohen. I, oh, Oh, I Tariq thought Cohen. Like, yeah, it's in. And that's great. Like, wow. That's crazy. That what the versatility that offense could have. Anyway, go on. No, um, you're good couple weeks now this is like three-ish straight weeks where Demir Bird has kind of impressed yeah. me and he's on a Shocker. one-year deal but bring him I back. Think you probably seriously consider bringing him back right mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean the catch he made yesterday and I mean we're recording this on Monday so the catch he made against the Seahawks obviously the catch and run uh for touchdown against the Packers I think he I don't remember off the time I had, but he played decently against Minnesota, I think, as well. He had a few, yeah, he caught a few balls. So I think, like, you're, I think we and you both agree that Allen Robinson is most likely not coming back. I think we agree on that. Darnell Mooney, which is fine because Darnell Mooney's kind of turning into a number one before our eyes. He had obviously a quiet yeah. game, but he's still clearly your number one option. He's shown the ability to put up big numbers. So, I mean, Demir Bird. I don't hate the idea of bringing him back. I mean, you know what he is. I mean, he's never going to like, he's never going to carry your offense, but I, oh, yeah, I, I like, I think he's a good player. Like I, like if you, if I had brought this up a month ago, you would have laughed at me, but now, I mean, he's shown like why you brought him in in the first place. Like he's been playing decently. I mean, you're paying the guy. I'm going to pull it up right now. You're paying the guy $1.2 million. Let's see. You're paying the guy. million dollars and you can't like at that point you might as well bring him back now again a lot of this might have to do with what the new coaching staff thinks of him and you know who the new coaching staff may have connections with as far as other players and free agency like if you have Brian and that's Jake when you talk about having a new coach like you actually do have to consider if you if you want to win next year right and you want to go into it and you want to win next year which i think they have the capability to do like you look at the charge you look at a lot of teams that have the elevation of a second year quarterback you are in a good position to make the playoffs year 2 if that quarterback takes the development you expect them to and you build a good roster around them um you have to think about how if it is a guy like Brian Leftwich right how how much more likely is Chris Godwin this time with the Chicago Bears if Brian Leftwich is your head coach like those are those could be ripple effects that that teams may think about honestly and, and it just kind of came to my mind but Demir Bird you're paying the guy 1.1 million dollars a new coaching staff might be more hesitant to reassign a guy who's previously on the team versus other guys who can find a free agency but he's been really good man and that play that he made I mean that's got to be a top three catch of the year or maybe not a top three catch of the year pure catch of the year but a top three play of the year because the ability for him to hold on to that football with one hand with three defenders bringing him down and getting both feet in that was a simply phenomenal play. Phenomenal. Yeah. I, I was like, there's no way he's going to hold on to it. And he's holding the ball on one hand. And that's a small dude. Like, I don't know what his hand span is, but Demir Bird is not, I'm sure does not have hands like Odell Beckham Jr. or DeAndre Hopkins. Like, his hands are probably not that big. So for him to, you know, just come down with it with that, oh, 
Unbelievable yeah. play. I'm all in for bringing him back. Why not? He can pose more than what he showed you this year as well. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, like, when you're assuming, like, a dabble or a left wish, like, offensive guys, you have to start thinking about these type of players. And we've talked about this before on the show, who's going to be around, who's going to contribute, including my guy, again, oh, yeah. didn't bust the box score, four catches, 49 yards from Cole Komet. He's not going to be George Kittle. He's not going to be Travis Kelsey. But I think he's going to be, I mean, we've made this comparison. Like, he'll be Kyle Rudolph. He'll be, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, he'll be Austin Hooper. Like, he, like he's yeah. going to be a factor. Um, But talking about these new coaching staffs and new guys, I want to address this comment that Jeremy Best made in, in the chat about how, why would a coach want to come in if Pace is still there and there's a possibility he gets fired? I, there is something, Pace is not going to just get fired. The McCaskies have made it very, very clear that they value their personal relationship with them, with the personal friendship that he's curated inside those walls and with everyone in the building. They value that to an extent where he's not just going to be fired. Could he be shuffled into some kind of other role? Could he get promoted to president of football ops and Ted Phillips leaves the football side alone finally? Possibly. And I and we talked about this last week. I don't think I would hate that. But also we've seen a lot of times GMs get a third shot at a coach. So this would be Ryan Pace's third shot at hiring a head coach. Right. John Fox first, obviously, then Matt Nagy, which is where we are now. I think we all agree Matt Nagy will be fired after the season. It's like it, people just assume that now. Like, like that's just taken as fact at this point. Um, <clears throat> but you see it in Tampa. I, I forget the name of their GM off the top of my head, but he's on his third coach right now in Arizona. Arizona's general manager is on his third head coach. Steve maybe as well as some off the field stuff that he survived through when the Cardinals kept him around uh, the chargers as well on their, his, their GM is on his third head coach. These all coincided as well with Tampa got Tom Brady, Arizona drafted Kyler and the chargers drafted Justin Herbert. So now you are going to be your third head coach. You have the quarterback, you have a legitimate star running back, David Montgomery. You have a guy who you believe can be a solid number one receiving option in Darnell Mooney. You have a defense that, while it's not going to be that top five defense probably anymore. It can be top ten, be I think. Solid, I, I think you can be top You're not going to be top five, top three, top two. Like, you're not going to be the top defense in the league anymore. But you're still going to have Cleo Mack. Robert Quinn showed that he's worth the money you're paying him. Now you just got to figure out some kind of secondary stuff. Obviously, you have Jalen Johnson. Who knows what Thomas Graham will turn into. But it's a situation that a, a coach, I think, is more willing to come into despite the GM being on a server, because also already mentioned it, the quarterback that is going to be Justin Fields is going That's to be very one. enticing for a Byron Leftwich, for a dabble for whoever, you know, whoever it ends up being, that's going to be very enticing because Justin Fields, yeah, it hasn't been the glitz and glam rookie season that we all, ex all wanted. You know, like I said, this one, Justin Fields for start, we wanted the Justin Herbert season. We didn't get that injuries have been a part of that. Obviously the scheme and the personnel has also been a part of that. But he's shown, you know, the Pittsburgh game, the Baltimore game, even, you know, at moments in the Green Bay game. Like, yeah. Justin Fields has shown you more than enough that there is something there that a coach can look at and say, there's something there. I can take this to the next level. You know, he he's not Trevor Lawrence stepping out of bounds at the two-yard line because he doesn't want to run over a defender to get in the end zone and possibly win the game. He's not, you know, he's not Zach Wilson who's throwing a million interceptions a game. Like, it's... 
and arguably Justin Fields does have a bit of a turnover issue, but you get my point. Yeah, like he there does. there is way more there that a coach will look at and say, yes, Justin Fields, I can make him the guy. And they'll want to come in and sign off on that. And the McCaskies have shown that even though Ryan Pace is maybe, you know, he's had some hits and misses, there's been ups and downs. They value what he brings to the table in some capacity. So he is going to be around. It just remains to be seen what role that's going to be. I'm going to leave this comment up there for you. You're welcome, Jeremy. Thanks. I mean, that was a good comment. I mean, because I think that's a that's something a lot of people are yeah. thinking about. And that's something that, I mean, you read almost any article. It seems like nobody can get a read on what's happening with Pace. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Jeremy, I mean, that was a great question because a lot of people, I think, have the same questions and have, and he prefaced it by saying Hogue made that point, you know, friend of the program, Adam Hogue. Like, a lot of people are wondering about it because it's a very up-in-the-air situation. Now let's make it known as far as GM, as far as head coach, I'll say it right now. I'll put it in paper. I'll, I'll get out a notepad. I'll put it in paper. The bears job is by far the most attractive in the NFL going to the offseason. by far. It's not even close. It is not even close. And Lewis well, Riddick okay, said well, this well, on the what, ESPN. What, what other ones are show. going to be open? I mean, Vegas, I, Vegas is going to be open, right? Jacksonville, um, Vegas and Jacksonville, maybe Denver, I, Minnesota. I, I would imagine they fire Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. If they I, make, I would, but what if they make the playoffs? They're not going to make the playoffs. But even if they do, it's been too long. They've won a few games. You got to get rid of them. It's been Seattle, years, seven. Um, Pete Seattle probably, probably. He's probably leaving. Right. Maybe Pittsburgh if they want to go. No, through a whole, no. I would not be surprised. No there's, there's rumblings about no them firing shot. Mike Tomlin. No I don't shot. know. Anyway, no, I don't care who it is. I mean, it could be. It could be. Uh, I don't care who it is. Like it. The Bears I, are going to be the people, top. I think people will look at the Jacksonville job and no. I, the, I think Jake, I think there up. will be an allure to Jake. wanting to work with Trevor Lawrence. There's yeah. good. I still think overall the Bears oh, are the better situation, but I could see a coach saying like, "Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is there. I'm going to go sign up to work with that." Yeah, I'm not I'm saying go sign up to work for the guy who's over... thrown one TD not... over the past five weeks. Yeah, I'm not saying that Jacksonville is the better job, but I'm saying that there is <laughs> you can sell Jacksonville a little bit. Well, here's the thing, and then you, you you start to think about things outside of money because the money's guaranteed when you get a contract with any NFL team. You're not like this isn't the, a player situation where oh Jacksonville's got more money on the books, they're going to pay me more money as the head coach of their team. You're probably going to get paid around the same amount. That's typically not a deciding factor unless you're thinking college versus NFL. Among NFL teams, the money is is rel- is equal enough to where that's not as much of a difference. The difference comes in, in multiple things. When you think about what these guys are going through, obviously what you have at the table from a quarterback standpoint, what you have a table from a base foundation roster wise. And we, and you already alluded to that, but think about this. This is a franchise that has been in misery for a very, very long time misery. And no one has been able to pull them out of it. And it's been through since Levy Smith. It's been three different guys. It's been Mark Trestman, John Fox and Matt Nagy. No one's been able to pull them out of their misery. And everyone on the face of the earth knows how passionate this fan base is and how passionate this city is about their football team. If you now it's a, it's a risk reward situation for any head coach that comes to coach the Chicago bears, because there is an, ex, an insane, you know, incomparable amount of scrutiny that comes with being the head coach of mm-hmm. a football uh, of a team in this city. But to be the guy to come in and lead this team to a Super Bowl. I think for a lot of coaches who are willing to take the challenge, it is going to be enticing for them, that prospect, that you can bring the city of Chicago back to the Super Bowl, and all it takes is one. You get one Super Bowl, you are adored in that You're city for the rest of time. Mike Ditka, while he was a phenomenal coach and, a, and just as good a player, is adored in this city 
for one reason and one reason only, winning the Super Bowl in 1985. Whether it be Byron Leftwich and or, or or Dabble or whoever it may be, you come to the city, you get one Super Bowl and lose the next 10 seasons, you got a statue. You're yeah. praised <laughs> for bringing us back to the promised land. And I think that could be – it's it might be fearful for some people – but I don't want to hire the guy who's fearful of that. I want to hire the guy who's up for the challenge and says, look, this city deserves a title. To be fair, I'm going to be though, the guy to bring it back. To be fair, we all thought Matt Nagy was that guy. Yeah, I mean, we did. And it's and, and that's why, like, I think the the kind of frustrating thing is you don't really know for th- two, three right. years most of the time, unless it's a disastrous first year and Urban the guys Mike. go and the guys, you know, you know, hanging out with college girls at the <laughs> at, at the Pine House. Yeah, like those kinds of situations, you might, you, you know, but – it's it's easy it's easy to be let on but even then even you even think about Matt Nagy there was also a little bit like you already knew that Mitch wasn't progressing accelerating right. at an extremely there were quick concerns. level like there were concerns so um i don't know i i i'm i'm not worried about the bears ability to hire you know or to have the options to hire anybody like the, they're going to have the options to hire anyone they want it's right. just at this point about choosing the right guy and then one more thing i want to ask you about this so obviously everyone knows about the rule that they just impl- that has been implemented where, you know, if you fire head coach final two weeks, you can interview them final two weeks. You can go ahead and you can interview whoever you want final two weeks of the season. It's a new rule. Now, everyone thought the Bears would fire Nagy today, Monday, because win or lose to give them the opportunity to interview in those final two weeks. But they haven't done that. And people are now wondering that is it now because of tradition and the fact that they've never fired anyone in the history of Chicago Bears? Or is it because at the end of the year, they're going to make fundamental organizational change and they don't want to have to go through the hiring process with the GM and with organizational people who aren't going to be there at the end of the year. Right. What is your, what do you, if you had to guess right now, is it because the tradition or is it because there's something big that is going to change at the end of the year? I would say it's probably both. I think it's just the Bears. This is their status quo. And again, I've said over and over the Bears, if they owe you money, they are going to squeeze every last bit (laughs) of labor out of you first before they stop paying you. So I think it's that. I think at the end of the season, I have a feeling they're going to give Pace an opportunity to sit down and explain himself and explain, okay, here's what we do next. Here's where we go from here. And then they decide. Because, I mean, anything that you read about the – like even the head coaching search, Anything that you read about a potential head coaching search, somewhere in the article or somewhere in the conversation where they were listening to something on the radio or a podcast like this or you're reading, you know, The Athletic or NBC Sports or whatever it may be, it always gets brought up. Well, who would be doing the interviews, Ryan Pace or Ted Phelps? So I think that we are moving towards a situation where they're going to give Pace the opportunity to sit in a room in a meeting in front of everyone and, and then discuss what went wrong what they do next and what the next move is and i think that's part of the thing i i think they don't even know what they're gonna do which is so bears because they, they don't even know what's happening yet they're just I trying think, to get to the finish line and they're going, okay we'll figure it out then they're kicking the can down the road right now yeah as far as like pace and stuff because i think they know they're firing naggy i i, I think you know, so I, as well i think they know but I, I i and i think maybe they do know that you know pace is going to be reshuffled into the organization and and right. i think that's again and like there's no negative feedback about that there is legitimate reasons to uh to justify that right with with you know the amount of great picks that he's had and now you look at right. what he's been able to do in the sixth round alone this year yeah. 
with Thomas Graham Jr. and Des Newsome and Larry Borum and you know well, and earlier also, Tevin Jenkins and stuff and, like. And I think I brought this up last week. It's what he's done with Hallis Hall as well, and all those changes. Like he's brought them into the 21st century. Like they were stuck, <laughs> like they were legitimately they were behind Northwestern. I said this last week. Like their facilities were crap. Right. And he brought them into the 21st century. So yeah, I mean that has value as well. I know we as fans we only want to see the product on the field, and that's what we care about the mm-hmm. most. But you know, obviously, Pace has had some misses, Trubisky and Shaheen, and you know, some free agent signings that didn't exactly go your way. But he's done a lot of good things as well. I don't know, and that's the thing we don't know with Pace because it's such a multi-layered thing. You know, yes, there's the on-field product, but also there's the out. Then how do you weigh those against each other? It's hard to say. So I think that's why they're going to take it all the way to the end of the season. Matt Nagy will be fired. They'll decide which assistants to keep, which I think will be Sean Desai. I think he deserves to stick around. But and then we'll see, and then we'll go from there. I mean, it, it's just a very weird situation, and it's so weird that like we talk about this after a win, but it's like that's the main storyline right now. No matter what happens over these last two games, unless Justin Fields has like a record breaking, like a Mitch Trubisky versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from a couple of years ago, where he throws six touchdowns <laughs> or whatever it was, like, and they unless they do something crazy like that, this is the story for the next month. You know, like until we get to mm-hmm. mid January or whatever, like. This is the story. This is it. Like, this is the on the field stuff doesn't like we know Justin Fields is the guy like, all right. Yeah, it's great to see Thomas Graham play well. And yes, that is an indictment of Nagy to put him back into a reserve role this week after he broke out last week and still had a good game this week. Yes, it's an indictment of Nagy to make Jermaine Fetty a captain this week and play him over your young guys. And, you know, yes, we know all these things already, though. Now we're already there's two games left. We're looking ahead now. We're looking at, okay, who's the next coach going to be? You know, right. Uh, and, and then we're talking about Pace's role, you know, credit to Jeremy. Um, Jeremy, I will say, though, because Jeremy said he wouldn't mind Leslie Frazier. They're not hiring a defensive no. guy. It's not Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator for the Bills. They're not going to hire a defensive coach. It's not. And if they were, I think it would be Sean Desai, legitimately. So it, it's going to be someone. It's going to be Brian Dabble. It's going to be Leftwich. It's going to be someone from the Chargers or the Rams or the Cardinals. Like it's going to be an offensive coach. Uh, they're not going to go with a defensive guy again. And I mean, that's just, nothing against Leslie Frazier and nothing against Jeremy for bringing that option up, but it's just not going to happen. They're going to want to bring in someone, a Sean McVay, a Cliff Kingsbury, someone who can connect with Justin Fields, who they can make a game plan with, with Justin Fields and go from there and they can click with right away. That's what's going to happen. And yeah, I mean, obviously the, the two week rule, obviously we were all hoping like, Oh, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? Are they going to interview people? Obviously, yeah, because then we could start talking about actual names and we could start kind of piecing together which way this is well, going to go. Well, it's not about just talking about it. It's the fact that this happened. Like, I think people forget, although we've had so many head coaches and it's rolled over so much that we should know the timetable for this. The head coach gets hired basically a few days after the season's over for, for that team. Guess what day Matt Nagy was hired in 2018? So it would have been... That year, the Chiefs lost in the divisional round. Was that Al- that was Alex Smith's last year, right? Yes. So they would have lost in like the divisional round. So I like. No, I think they lost the first. I think they lost the wild card game to the, to the Titans. Was right? that Where, that game? Yeah, it was a wild card right. game where the Chiefs were shut out, and yeah. in the second half, and I the think Titans right. came yep. back eighteen point deficit. Yes, that's because everyone was mad about that. Everyone was yes. like, "You're going to hire the guy who got shut out in the second half." Yes, yeah. that's what it was. You're right. Should have um, saw the signs. So, oh my God. So that must've been like the, f- so that would have been wild card weekend. So we went, so what he was hired like January 11th. 
January 8th. Yeah, so it was just a little bit early that year. It always depends on the year as far as what the dates are. But well, like, now we have the actual that's week why... this year, so everything's pushed back too. Right, that everything's pushed back. So you probably look at like January mid-January the season ends but also what also depends though like if if the bucks go to the super bowl again you can't you're not going to announce left which is your new head coach until after the super bowl then you know right right that's true. so that it depends on that as well like the bears were able to do that because the chiefs were no longer in the playoffs right it's kind of out of your control in that instance too Hmm. and i wonder i do i do wonder if that ever if that makes a difference at all ever you know i've never really looked into that but i do wonder like you you know you you have three candidates right now right you got three candidates one of them is out of the playoffs one of them is you know in in the you know lost in the wild card run one of them's you know on a super bowl run you you know and and the two guys are interviewing the two guys who are uh, already done are looking for other are are interviewing with other teams and you really like one of them but you really like byron leftwich too but you can't you you can't wait i mean i don't know can those guys interview i uh, i don't believe they can interview and i and maybe COVID protocols change that this year but i believe that they can interview throughout the process all right i'm gonna have to double check that but that I yeah, that's it's a good point you make. And then you know you talk about Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs could go far, and and you know whatever they want to do there. I don't no, think I'm they're going to hire a Chiefs. Coach I don't, don't want to go back. To, I don't want to go back to the Chiefs coach. But again, th- now let me make this clear again because I think probably next week Wednesday we should do our official coaching search show. Maybe I'm done. Or, or maybe we'll wait till the till he's officially fired because we love how this organization surprises us. Um, <laughs> And that press conference, uh, I don't know. Well, whenever we do it, I want to make this clear before we do it. And I've said this before, and, and you alluded to this when you talked about, oh, they can't hire a defensive guy. They have to hire an offensive guy. I'm fine with hiring either. The number one thing isn't about offensive guru who's going to work with Justin Fields, defensive, blah, blah, blah. The number one thing, what have I said before, Jake? You need a guy who has proven he can develop players, who has proven he can hold a locker room and say the right things in front of the media and say the right things to the team and get them ready to play each week and have good practices and have a good plan, game plan each week. All of those things for every single Bears fan need to be above, oh, offensive guru, had good offensive statistics on your checklist of what you want out of a quarterback or out of, an, or out of a head coach. Head coach yeah. That is no, no, because Jim, what have we learned? I mean, this was Mark Trustman, right? Oh, my God, he's he's so he, he's Canadian. Uh, look at what he did with the, the Argonauts and, and uh, oh, the CFL. And he's oh, it's going to be God. so fun. And it's new. And the amount and of times that I've heard or read Mark Trustman's name, like referencing those seasons has been way too much. And that's how, you know, we got to change something here because that <laughs> it's been so like, I've, I've read Mark Trestman's name more times in the last two weeks, three weeks than I uh, thought I would ever have to ever again. It was like, that's where, that's where we currently stand as bears fans. And it's so gross, <laughs> but I don't know what, I mean, end of the day, bears got out with a win 25, 24 and what's still a tough place to play. You still got a bunch of guys, young guys that you believe will be here next year and still continue to show stuff. So, I mean, there's still positives and we're not going to have a resolution to this coaching thing for at least a couple more weeks. So, I mean, until then, we just got to keep watching these young guys and see what we can glean from watching them. Yeah. I mean, like, and you're seeing, you're seeing good things so far from those guys. And we kind of mentioned it earlier and we'll go back to, you know, to Jake to his own horn as, as he deservedly should uh, with, with Cole Komet and, you know, the, the kids played well. And, and like you saw, we always talk about, I think it's, I think, I think what we should do regarding Cole Komet is really eliminate 
are ceiling and floors for him. Yes. Like let, let's just throw Agreed. it out the window because I don't think we know yet. I really don't. Like right. he his athleticism is there. Like he does make very good athletic plays that are reminiscent of Travis Kelsey. That are reminiscent of George Kittle. I think George Kittle is arguably the most athletic of all tight ends in the NFL. And I don't know if Cole Komet sure. is there, but you like that play he made where he kind of, he, he fell and he, he was kind of on the ground almost. And he got up and got the first down. Like those are plays that are like, wow. Like, you know, uh, you know, the, the mad, the, the Twitter finger people will get on Twitter right after that play and say, maybe his ceiling can be Travis Kelsey. Like it fluctuates too much. It's too variable. And again, as it goes with every single player with this coaching staff, you cannot legitimately evaluate who they are. You can't. It's unfair. If we're going to do it with Justin Fields and we're going to do it with every with all these guys, you have to do it to the guys that maybe you don't want to do it with, right? Like you have to – it goes down the list. You know, you talk about, oh, how is Allen Robinson being affected? Okay, tell us how Cole Komet's being affected as well. Right. Like just because you have bias against Cole Komet doesn't mean that he's not, you know, that he's not susceptible to that same sort of, you know, underperformance due to coaching staff issues. Like those are real. So – I want to see more from Cole. I, I'm not out on Cole Komet yet. I'll, I'll go on the record saying I'm not out on him, and it's uh, it's unreasonable for anybody to be out of him at that out on him at this point because he showed a little bit, and because of what you know I said about the coaching staff. So I like what I've seen. I like what I've seen so far. Recently. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like out of a lot of these guys. There's peaks and valleys. Obviously, they're young players and they're not in the best position. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I think there's still a lot to like about this team. It's just a matter of getting the right person to make use of the talent that's there. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But we will be back later this week to break down, oh God, what is going to be just a rock fight between the Bears and the Giants in, on Sunday. <laughs> and we'll talk about it for better or for worse, and it'll be really gross. But Mike Glenn and Revenge Game soon cometh. But to you guys, the listeners, the viewers, we still and always do appreciate you guys. We hope everyone had an awesome Christmas. We love you guys. And we'll see you later this week to break down week 17, Bears-Giants. Until then, take it easy, everyone. We love you. And as always, bear down. Bear down.